Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's there's podcast, a look at how COVID-19 has ran through the Panthers organization during their bye week and a preview of the week 14 matchup between the Panthers and the Denver Broncos. And welcome to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. I am joined by two-time Super Bowl winning champion. He is the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers back in 1995 in the first round. Cornerback Tyrone Poole. Tyrone, what's going on, man? How have you been doing? I'm doing excellent, Desmond. And it's always great to talk to the Carolina Panther hopefuls and uh, all those that love Carolina football and South Carolina, North Carolina, even down here in Georgia. So uh, it's always good to talk Carolina football. We got a lot to dig into. The Panthers coming off of a bye week. And, you know, we had talked about it the whole season, Ty, that, you know, the Panthers had a a pretty late bye uh, in terms of season standards, having theirs in week uh, 13 of the NFL season. Really, you kind of want it around the middle of the year, uh, week six through eight, somewhere week nine, somewhere in there. But the Panthers getting the short end of the stick and getting a, a late bye in the 2020 season. And, you know, the Panthers' luck, uh, they ended up during that bye getting into some uh, issues with COVID, which was kind of amazing considering the Panthers had been fairly lucky uh, with really low case amounts of uh, COVID throughout the entire season. So, of course, the week that they get the buys, when they when the strikes, we'll get into that a little bit, as well as some other Panther news. We'll preview Panthers versus, uh, Bron- uh, Panthers versus Broncos Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff here on uh, CBS. But before we do that, I need to shout out our sponsors, which is uh, betonline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The Carolina Panthers dealing with a COVID outbreak, Tyrone, uh, this week. The Panthers currently have 10 players on the COVID-19 list. There were no new positive tests overnight through Wednesday, which is a good sign. Uh, The game, if there had been more positive tests throughout the latter part of the week, the Panthers-Broncos game may have been in jeopardy. Uh, Players that tested positive or high-risk contacts will not be available on Sunday. The game is still scheduled as of this taping for 1 p.m. kickoff Sunday on CBS. Some of the notable names are on this list, Tyrone, and there's a lot of them. Uh, Wide receivers DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Moore actually tested positive for COVID. Curtis Samuel is listed as a high-risk contact, meaning he was around people uh, who have since tested positive for COVID. Uh, Other players included uh, our first-round Rookie defensive tackle Derek Brown, linebacker Shaq Thompson, defensive tackle Zach Kerr, 
Uh, offensive lineman Greg Little was actually activated off of the COVID list on Wednesday. The Panthers' facilities have been shut down the past two days. Uh, now, here's the part here that I wanted us to talk about to start off the show, uh, Ty. The NFL chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Sills, said on Wednesday that the Panthers' COVID-19 transmission was linked back to, quote, some gathering of players outside of the team facility, unquote, during the Panthers' bye week. And that's from our buddy uh, Joe Person over at The Athletic. Uh, with his reporting, Carolina could face fines and or a loss of a draft pick because of the behavior. Uh, if people remember the uh, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders were fined five hundred thousand dollars as an organization, and head coach John Gruden was fined one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. The team was stripped of a six-round draft pick due to COVID protocol violations in early November. Now the Raiders had multiple violations, which led to those fines. This is Carolina's first significant issue related to COVID nineteen all season. Uh, Tyron, what were your thoughts when you heard this? And in particular, what were your thoughts regarding how these players contracted COVID? Basically, it sounds like they had some sort of get-together or gathering at a player's house or something like that uh, during the bye week. And, and, I, and I wanted to ask you as a former player, what players typically do during their bye weeks in the NFL? And what are, what, what are those things that you should, probably should not be doing in 2020 uh, with COVID being even more out there than it was, you know, just a month ago. Well, I'll uh, say this. I think the NFL so far has done, in my opinion, a pretty good job um, with uh, the number of players coming up positive with COVID-19. If you think about football, this is a sport of contact. This is a sport where you have multiple people at, uh, on a roster that are, in contact with each other you got 32 teams so you know i'm like when you add up the numbers uh of the possibilities of people players organization staffs uh members that can get COVID, uh you know i think you know you should say a little bit about the positives of not the positive test <laughs> but <laughs> the positives of how you know the a lot of players have not uh, gotten uh, COVID. And, and of course, you know, just like in a football season, you're not going to win every game, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they thought they were going undefeated, but they actually end up losing. Uh, so, you know, but to have a great record, uh, going back to this COVID thing of uh, guys that have not tested positive, um, that also, you know, give kudos to the players. Um, the players realizing that they are in a high risk, a high, high risk um uh, job uh, performance situation. And uh, so, you know, I just want to say that first. Um, uh, but uh, as far as the players, uh, you know, they always going to try to say is a gathering, you know, because one person can't pass it to themselves. At least I don't think. But um, right. <laughs> unless they say it was at someone's particular house i know you said someone's home don't know that for sure but a gathering does institute you know hey there were other people around could have been in a park could have been you know somewhere else but uh, we don't know exactly uh but you know you can't transmit transmit something to somebody else and like i said i could um you know uh be wrong on that but just in my opinion and as far as you know uh on a bye week what players typically do you know they still practice they still practice. It's a regular practice uh, week. But 
if they play on Sunday, the coach may give them maybe Saturday. They may leave Friday practice early, and they'll have Saturday and Sunday off. And then they come back Monday. So it's not like what people who may not know football may think, oh, it's a bye week, so they not going to be there the whole week. These guys are still going through their regular uh, uh practices and uh meetings and uh lifting and what this bye week does it gives the the offense the defense the team organization as themselves an opportunity to do self inventory to look at yourself it gives offensive coordinators an opportunity to look at themselves and say okay um am i calling the same plays over and over and over uh uh, uh defensive coaches the same thing. Am I calling play plays over and over and over? Players get an opportunity to look at themselves, study themselves. And then on top of that, you get an opportunity to uh, have an extra week to prepare uh, for your team. Uh, that's why a lot of coaches uh, have great records when they come out of a bye week because they have two weeks to prepare for a team that is still continuing to, continuing to play. Um, so as far as your last question, you know, the uh, players of this day and age, you know, if I was playing, you know, I, I was the type of guy I really didn't do too much, didn't go anywhere. Uh, so I think I probably, this protocol of staying social distancing uh, probably would be right up my alley. So uh, that's my take on what you just asked me. The So, I mean, in a normal year, um, yeah, you know, typically, you know, maybe guys get a couple of days maybe to go see family or, you know, whatever they're going to do. Uh, and I think a lot of guys are just like, you know, they stay around the house. They just kind of recharge they're around their immediate families. Uh, the Panthers had planned to practice earlier this week, but it was called off due to the positive tests. Head coach Matt Rule uh, had his uh, weekly session with the, the media uh, the middle of this week, and he did talk about that. He kind of talked about how this year in particular Mondays and Tuesdays have been off campus days really for every team in the league they've really done more uh, like zoom calls remote type uh, meetings and things of that sort and the Panthers were actually uh, away from their facility for uh, the first part of this week because of the COVID outbreak Um, have not seen yet at the beginning of this taping whether or not the Panthers actually got a chance to get back on the field today, which would be, you know, good considering they have a game on Sunday. Uh, it's just been a weird year in terms of practice scheduling and uh, just being around the other 52 guys on the team, the coaching staff. It's been such a stuttering, stop-and-go type of season for all these teams. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the Panthers didn't really have a whole lot of COVID cases through most of the season, which is amazing uh, concerning the travel they've done, uh, the amount of interaction they have had, and they really hadn't had any. They had a couple here and there, but this was the first week where uh, there was more than just a handful that had it. And, and you're right, it does not say exactly where these players were when they caught it or who the players were in particular, but it could have been at a restaurant. It could have been someone's house. It could have been, you know, a number of places. But the uh, the fact remains that, you know, they still – met up outside of the facility, which I guess is a big no-no in this COVID world, and the NFL is currently investigating it. Do I think that they'll get fined or, or lose a draft pick from it? I don't think so. I think the Panthers have been pretty transparent about what they do and what they're about. The Raiders got fined because it happened multiple times. <laughs> like It happened like three or four different weeks in November where players were seen out in public with no mask on, uh, Gruden wasn't wearing a mask on the sidelines, 
there was a number of cases with the Raiders which caused the NFL to do what they did. So I, I don't think that the Panthers, unless they have an explosion of, of cases in the next like week or two, uh, which I don't think will happen now that they're back in the facility and out of the bye week, uh, I think they'll be just fine. I don't think they'll be fined or anything by the league or have a draft pick or anything taken away. Uh, during that uh, press session, Coach Matt Rule did spoke, speak to the media on Wednesday, and I wanted to play this clip on whether uh, he was asked on whether or not there had been discussion in-house on shutting down any particular players, such as Christian McCaffrey, who are nursing injuries right now, um, and playing in meaningful games. The Panthers have four games left in the season. They're 4-8. and eight. Obviously, they're trying to play to get to 500 uh, by the end of the year. Uh, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs on the NFC side, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but here is head coach Matt Rule and his comments on whether or not there have been discussion on shutting down uh, players and playing in meaningful games the rest of the year. Uh, not by me. Um, not by anyone. So, you know, I mean, uh, not, I, I've never had that discussion with anyone. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think there's like a, I think there's like, I know modern society doesn't always see that way, but like, you know, we, we, we get, we get paid and we have the, we have the privilege of doing a job and it's to play football. And so, uh, while many things come along with it, um, you know, like, like if I coach any differently this week, cause I, you know, Hey, or, you know, we're probably not going to go to the playoffs like that. What kind of, what kind of coach does that make? You know, like, um, I think that's the same for all of us now. I mean, if a guy was, if a guy was in harm's way, that, that would, you know, I mean, I would understand that. But if, if someone's healthy and they're able to go, um, then I think that they would go. Now, if a guy's not healthy, then I have no issue with that. And I think we've been pretty much on on record with that all year. You know, I mean, we were, you know, we were smart with Teddy with his knee. We were smart with Christian with his ankle. You know, we've been, we've erred on the side of player health all year long. Um, but you know, we're football players, we're football coaches. And, um, you know, I, I just wouldn't be able to look the fans in the eye if, if I said like, hey, we're not going to try to win these games. And more importantly, I wouldn't be able to. You know, it's just not what I am. I'm, I'm here to try to. I'm here to try to win, and I think the players are here to try to win. And um, we, we want. I said from the very beginning, like I want to make this like a serious football place. And what I mean is, when you start, in my mind, when you start like saying, hey, these games are more important than these, and you know, you're only doing it for something tangible, then it. I got. I think you lose moral high ground if that makes any sense. I just think it's our job to go out and play as hard as we can and try to win. I uh, I do agree with what uh, Coach Rule was saying there, Tyrone, in terms of uh, you know what kind of coach would he be if he was going into games coaching it, thinking, well, this isn't a meaningful game, we're not going to make the playoffs, so I shouldn't do this or that. Uh, you can't really go into that with that mentality and be a head coach in the NFL. So I totally 100% agree with him on that note. I thought it was interesting that he led off the answer by saying that uh, when he was point blank asked if uh, there had been any conversations about uh, Christian McCaffrey and and hold him out for the year he said not by me it was the way he said it It was like well not by me to me it kind of made it sound like well that won't be his decision like if that comes down the the pipeline that'll come from above him uh owner david tepper marty herney somebody like that and the reason why i mentioned that is because christian mccaffrey uh, he was back in practice this week uh but he was limited on wednesday not from his shoulder which he's missed a couple of weeks from but a strain in his quad he actually has a strain in his quad right now and his status for Sunday is still up in the air. Uh, so Tyrone uh, McCaffrey's had a rough go of 2020, uh, injured his ankle after week two, or during week two, I should say, uh, injured his shoulder, 
when he came back for the Chiefs game, injured his shoulder towards the end of that game. He's missed a couple of weeks since then. And now he's nursing a strained uh, quad. Um, how hard is it to stop and go like this with injuries throughout the season? Did you ever have a season during your career where you were just hampered by injuries throughout? Is it How hard is it for a player to to get that going once the season you know really kicks off and you're you're getting hampered by injuries well anybody's played any sports uh does i think it has some type of injury so uh that you know it's a question that you know just you just got to deal with injuries uh but as far as you going back talking about what matt rule um mentioned about uh you know him coaching uh, how he's going to coach uh, for the rest of the season and players again, like you said, playing. Well, that's what I've always said. I've always believed that if you can dress and you go out there and play, there's a certain, a such of a word called integrity. And I think all great organizations have integrity. And those are the organizations that win championships. Okay. You look at any organization, I don't care if they have a uh, off year, they find some way to bounce back one year, two years later, maybe. But integrity is what wins championships. Team, as they say, is what wins championships. And then also, you get an opportunity. Football, let's, let's just be real with it. Football is one of those type sports. You, uh, I don't want to, you know, the great LT, the Lawrence Taylor, uh, you know, the Damian Thomason, you know, LT, but we all know LT is Lawrence Taylor. Right. But there's a clip where uh, Lawrence Taylor says, um, you got to run the ball. You can't, you know, bloop, 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 up in there, you <laughs> run the ball. So um, that's what football is, man. Football is a sport when it comes to injuries, man. It's one of those barbaric sports. You got to get out there and play. You got to get out there and play. Football is uh, one of those sports if it will expose who you are. If you're a tough guy, it will say you are a tough guy. If you're a weak guy, it will expose that you are a weak guy. Uh, that's what I love about football. Uh, but as far as injuries, you got to go out there and play. If you can suit up, go out there and play. Uh, as far as Matt Rule coaching, I agree with one with him 100%. And I think a lot of people getting this from the New York Jets. Uh, let's just be honest with it. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> I think Williams, you know, he's calling an all-out blitz, man. Oh, my gosh. I, was, I thought about you watching that. I thought about you because that, that basically put that cornerback out there on an island by himself with no help <laughs> over the top. And everybody in the, everybody watching it knew where the ball was going. It, that was crazy. That was a crazy defensive call. And it cost him his job. We just go to show integrity. It goes to show the integrity of, of, of Greg Williams. Um, you know, and going back to like what Matt Rule said, you mentioned, he said, if it's up to me, he'll be playing. Well, if you are a person of integrity, and even if somebody's telling you, hey, throw this game, throw this game, your integrity is not going to let you do that. And that's what champions are made of. Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions in difficult situations. That's what leadership is. And I like Matt Rule. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed watching him coach. He's done a fantastic, phenomenal job with the circumstances of the pandemic and the Panthers' new team, new coach, new coaches. You know, so he's done a lot of great things. But I respect him for that. And you know, that's what you're supposed to do because uh, I think you can go and get the number one draft pick overall. That number one draft pick ain't guaranteed to be a superstar. That's why they have. Uh, the top 10 number one all-time bus. You don't know what you're right. Then you get a guy in the sixth round 
like a Tom Brady or, 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 or you know, somebody uh, that uh, no one expected uh, to be good and they become great. So I think it's all about your scouting department, how they are able to uh, take what they see and know what the organization is trying to accomplish. And you go out there, you find those guys to fill those spots. So just because you lose games and get the number one seed doesn't mean you're going to be a champion. Go ask the Cincinnati Bengals. They hmm. probably had more number one picks over the last 20 years than probably any other team. And you see what it's done for them. Yeah, they've had some bad luck for sure. And, you know, one thing, I think both of us have been on the same tip with Matt Rule for most of the season in terms of, for the most part, we've been ple- we've been pleasantly surprised with uh, the head coaching uh, that he has put out there. I think the thing that 100% sold me for him, I've already been leaning heavily towards, you know, this was a good hire. But I think it was the post game after the Minnesota lost uh, a couple weeks back before the bye where Matt Rule is sitting in the post game, and you know, in those, in those, especially in this world where it's all Zoom, uh, the Panthers have a PR guy sitting there that's kind of directing traffic in terms of uh, picking the people to ask the questions and you know, getting the coach in and out of there. The PR guy was like, you know, we're going to answer one or two questions, and I need to get Coach Rule out of here. And Coach Rule, I, I give him a lot of credit for this, told the PR guy in the mic, he was like, you know what? If there was a day where I needed to sit here and answer as many questions as there are about this game and coaching and everything else, it's today. So I'm going to answer every question that they ask. And he sat there with the media minutes after losing that game the way they did against Minnesota and answered all the questions that they asked him. And I just thought, going back to what you just said, it's integrity. There's a certain level of integrity with this guy that I can see why David Tepper invested so much time and money in him to build a program, not just a a good team, not just a team that's good one year, then bad the next, you know, just like all over the place, but actual program like the, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a program like, you know, Mike Tomlin has built that off of what was there before. Uh, and what was there before that from Bill Cowher to Chuck Noll, it's been basically the same type of thing the entire time. Uh, the Patriots have run a program for 20 years and the pa- the Panthers have never had that. The Panthers have never had back-to-back winning seasons, like in their entire history which is amazing over 25 years they've never had two years in a row where they've had winning seasons and that takes time to kind of build that foundation and i think matt rule is the perfect hire for this because he gets it he understands it and all the little nuances of football he seems to just totally understand it i think he's starting to understand the fan base here which which goes a long way because if that had been any other coach ron rivera john fox whoever I don't think they would have made a point to sit there and answer all the questions after a tough loss like that, or they would have gave answers that were vague and didn't, you know, missed opportunities or bad day to have a bad day. You know, those kind of quips. But Matt rolled to his defense. He stood he stood in the box and actually uh, answered all those questions. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what the Panthers do here over the next four games. Uh, as we mentioned, they do have. Uh, this game against the Broncos, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. As of this taping, it is still scheduled to go. Uh, if there are more COVID uh, situations going on with the Panthers or the Broncos, the NFL is prone to move this game to Monday or Tuesday or whatever it may be. Uh, but as it stands right now, they are scheduled to play. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that there's 10 people on the COVID-19 list for the Panthers. That's not all that's on the injury report. The injury report also includes guard Dennis Daly, who's dealing with a concussion. And defensive end Marquise Haynes, who's dealing with the illness. 
Um, they did not practice on Wednesday, so their status is unknown for Sunday's game. The Panthers come into this game, Tyrone, beat up, missing key guys all over the place. Um, before we even get to that, though, there's two guys that are having really good years this year. Uh, who would you offer an extension to first, offensive tackle Taylor Moten or wide receiver Curtis Samuel? Both of them are going to be up for new deals at the end of the year. Who do you think the Panthers should prioritize uh, going into the offseason to to remain with the club? Well, I, I want to say this right here before we even get into that. I want to give uh, congrats to uh, Shaq Thompson for being nominated for the uh, Walter Payton Man of mm. the Year. Uh, yes. award. So, you know, we talk about all this uh, uh, COVID-19 and who the Panthers going to keep and who they going to let go. Well, you know what? There's some great things that are out there that are happening. So, you know, I want to say congrats to uh, Shaq Thompson again, man. Way to go. Well-deserved. Uh, Everybody who don't know what this award is, this award is given annually to the player who demonstrates excellence on the field paired with significant volunteering and charity work off the field. So, you know, we need more people out there, man, uh, doing what uh, Shaq is doing. And, you know, uh, good job, Shaq. I'm proud of you, brother. And, um, you know, continue to, 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 to make champions on and off the field because you're a champion yourself. Yeah, definitely well-deserved. We'll find out the winner of that during the uh, NFL honors uh, at the end of the year when they do all the – they've actually turned it into an award show at this point where, you know, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, that kind of stuff. They'll announce it there. And uh, former uh, outside linebacker Thomas Davis, a former recipient of that award as well. I want to say Greg Olson's won it too. I, I need to check on that. But, uh, yeah, well-deserved for Shaq. What were your thoughts on uh, Taylor Moten or Curtis Samuel? Both of them are going to be free agents at the end of the year, and both have been pretty important to the Panther offense. Uh, we're actually going to miss Curtis in multiple ways Sunday uh, because he's become a critical part of the running game, and he's become a critical part of the Panthers' third down conversions. Uh, I've begun to look for him on third down like Teddy has uh, himself in terms of moving those chains. And then I look on the other side and see Taylor Moten, the number one rated uh, tackle and pro football focus right now uh, in the league, and he's going to be coming up as well. Who would you prioritize, Moten or Samuel? Well, anytime you look at football, even though the rules, I've said this before, the rules indicate that today's football game is played from the outside in, meaning the wide receivers are throwing the ball. The rules are more predicated for offenses to throw the ball. But again, you cannot throw the ball if your quarterback is on his back. So you're going to prioritize, and if I'm a GM, I'm going to prioritize the uh, offensive line, uh, defensive line, because I still believe in football. You got to be able to uh, run the ball. You got to be able to pass protect on defense. You got to be able to rush the quarterback, and you got to be able to stop the run. That. Those are principles of this game that would never change. I don't care what they say with the rules, pass interference, whatever the case is. Football starts and ends with the O-line and D-line. So yep. I'm going to prioritize uh, the offensive line because it's hard to find good offensive linemen. So uh, that's what I would do. Uh, so, you know, Curtis Samuel, you know, uh, uh Good receiver, great receiver. But, you know, I look at teams and I always say, if you can catch the ball, if you know how to run routes, you know how to get open, you know how to slide between those windows, you still can win football games. The quarterback. Now, if it was a choice between, you know, a receiver and a quarterback, I'm going with the quarterback because the quarterback is probably the most important part other than the offensive line. 
so you got to be able to throw the ball. And as long as somebody can catch the ball and they got average speed, as long as they know how to get open and read defenses on the run, I, again, you see it time in and time out. There are guys that play with the Buffalo Bills right now. They're not uh, down the field, stretch the field, get over top, four, three, four, two, forty guys. They are guys who know how to play football and they know how to run routes and know how to catch the ball. So uh, nothing against Curtis Samuel. I'm pretty sure Curtis would probably say the same thing. I'm going to prioritize the offensive line. Yeah, I would agree with that also, especially with the year that Moten is having. He's been basically the rock for the Panthers' offensive line this year. I think Samuel's going to get in a situation where it's going to come down to, is he happy in the Panthers' system and whatever they end up offering him, or does he think he's more than a third wide receiver? Because in this offense, let's be real, he's the third wide receiver behind Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Um, does he feel comfortable staying in that in that role, or does he want to do the – Alvin Harper and, you know, not be the number two, not be the number three no more and go someplace else where he has a chance to be one and get that kind of number one wide receiver money, which ain't short. (laughs) Number one wide receiver money, you're talking, you know, 15 mil per year. Then again, who's going to give that to him? So there's a lot of there's a lot of juggling and play there. And I hope the Panthers are able to retain both guys. Um, I'd really like to see them, uh, especially, you know, going forward. Both are young. Their homegrown talent in terms of us drafting them um, and high draft picks is at that. Curtis Samuel was a second round pick. Uh, Moten was picked high in the uh, draft as well, I believe second or third round. So hopefully they can get them to stay here. Let's uh, real quick preview this game here. Two, four, and eight teams, the Panthers and the Broncos kicking off Sunday at 1 p.m. on CBS. And I was looking at their stats uh, in terms of like their offense and defense and everything else, uh, Tyrone. And these teams are really similar to each other. Uh, in terms of what they are, they're kind of in the middle uh, of all these statistics. They're not the best teams at offense or defense, but they're not the worst either. Uh, Denver's 25th in overall offense, so they are t- towards the bottom end with that. But they're 12th overall in rushing and 26th overall in passing. But they have the 31st uh, overall scoring offense. They're only pl- they're only scoring 18 points a game, real well, 18.8. So they're averaging about 19 points per game. Uh, meanwhile, Carolina is 20th overall in offense, 20th in rushing, which we've wanted to be a little higher, averaging just a little over a buck per game, uh, 15th in passing, which is right in the middle of the league, and 21st in scoring, the Panthers averaging about 23.3 points per game. So very similar type of teams. Uh, as we all know, the Broncos just went through it uh, with their quarterback room contracting covid they had their Thanksgiving game moved twice against the uh, the Ravens. Basically went into that game without a quarterback. And uh, actually, local product, Kendall Hinton, uh, wide receiver, turned into a quarterback. He hadn't played back since he was here at Wake Forest a couple of years ago. Uh, ended up playing quarterback for the Broncos in that game versus the Ravens. Ended up getting played, I think, on a Tuesday, Wednesday of last week. So the Broncos have gone through a little bit of the same issues that the Panthers are going through right now. Uh, in terms of COVID, how huge is it, Tyrone? How big of a blow will it be to the Panthers' offense to not have DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel available on Sunday? As it stands right now, DJ Moore will not be available because he has tested positive uh, for the virus. Uh, Curtis Samuel is a high contact. There's a possibility he may be back by Sunday. Uh, if, I, if I remember the protocol correctly, he has to pass like three COVID tests in a row negatively in order to be taken off of the COVID list. How big of an issue is it going to be for the Panthers' offense to move the ball if they don't have DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel? 
Well, I think, you know, when you look at the Panthers offense, of course, they're three wide receivers, you know, so that's what their offense is built off of. So I guess, you know, that kind of question answers itself. Uh, Basically, he's going to be very uh, well missed. Uh, You know, you got Curtis Samuel, uh, Robbie Anderson, uh, DJ Moore. Those are your three wide receivers. So, you know, just like asking, you know, you got your shoes, you got your socks and you got your pants. How much are we going to miss not wearing our socks with the shoes and the pants? It's going to be greatly missed because they go together. So DJ Moore goes together with that offense and he is going to be missed. Uh, a lot of if he you know is not able to play because, again, a lot of them. Um, uh, when I talk about a lot of them, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, if you look at all the games, they've all done something special in that particular game that actually allowed Carolina to get their four wins. Uh, uh, so uh, he's going to be missed. He's going to be missed. You, you, you can't replace something uh, that is supposed to be there. Like I said, you got the shoes, the socks, uh, the pants. You know, uh, I don't know how many people love wearing shoes without socks. I know I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> I got a <laughs> so you know it's a trifecta. It's the three-headed monster. So they all go together, and I think he will uh, be uh, missed. Yeah, and it's actually one of the games where I wish the Panthers had developed uh, a reliable tight end at this point of the season. They really haven't. They've got in uh, Manhurts and. Uh, can't remember the other guy, but they're really, you know, they're afterthoughts in this offense. Uh, they don't really use the tight end as much as we've been used to seeing in the past with like Greg Olson and even going back further than that with Wesley Walls. You know, the tight end's always been a crucial part of the Panther offense, except for this year. Just really hadn't been there and it probably would have came in handy. And maybe we see Joe Brady pull something out like that, some two tight end sets or things like that uh, and spotlight some guys that haven't had a chance to really be spotlighted with both these guys out. Those two wide receivers, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, account for 36% of the team's reception so far this year, 46% of the receiving yards, and 46% of the receiving touchdowns. So literally a third of the receptions and about half of the yards, half of the receiving touchdowns are between uh, Moore and Samuel. Um, On the defensive side, no Derek Brown, no Zach Kerr at defensive tackle, no Yuter Gross Matos at defensive end. Uh, the only bright spot in terms of the injury COVID report is that Dante Jackson, who's missed four weeks counting the bye of uh, football with a toe injury, uh, is slated to play uh, this weekend um, and start. And he'll more than likely be matched up against the first-round draft pick uh, that Denver has, Jerry Judy uh, from Alabama, as a former cornerback. Talk to me a little bit about that matchup, uh, Jackson versus Judy. Judy's got about 35 catches this year. Uh, but he's a specimen, man. He's kind of built in that uh, Julio Jones type of vein of uh, wide receivers that come out of Alabama lately under Nick Saban that are just huge monster guys that are super athletic, real long, uh, have speed, good hands. And I think Judy's issue is just that, you know, he's dealing with quarterback play in Denver. Uh, but once they get that settled, I think Judy's going to be in a star in this league. Um, how interested are you in seeing Dante Jackson take on – uh, Jerry Judy for most of the day on Sunday. I'm going to go back on the re-address uh, something talking about the wide receivers again for the Panthers. You know, Farrell Cooper, you know, let's not forget, you know, he that, that, that's why they got him on the roster, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, you know, he's going to probably get, you'll probably hear his name 
and, uh, you know, gives him opportunity to step his game up. So, you know, Farrell Cooper, go out there and do your thing. That's why you're on the roster. That's why you get paid for, you know, next man up. But um, as far as, you know, the Broncos, you know, Jerry Judy, you know, the, at the end of the day, your defensive back, you cover whoever's in front of you. It don't matter who it is. You know, you respect what they do, but you don't fear who they are. So uh, I don't care who it is uh, from the Panther side, whether it's uh, Dante Jackson or Douglas or, or Troy Pride Jr., you know, or if Carter, if he actually, um, let me say, uh, Elder, Elder, Corn Elder, he actually get an opportunity to get in there. But the, the point is, your job as a defensive back is to, uh, follow the plans of the defensive scheme and to be where you're supposed to be, regardless of who lines up in front of you. Uh, my thought was when I played, uh, whoever I guarded, I respected them. Uh, but you know what? They put their pants on the same way I put my pants on. And it's based uh, basically who's going to win is determined by who is more prepared. And the more you're prepared, the more confidence you get. And then that's where that swagger comes from. So it comes from preparation. So uh, depending on how Jackson and uh, Douglas, how they prepare and how Judy prepares and how not only just Judy, but the offense and not only just Dante Jackson and uh, Douglas, but the defense, because I don't care. You can have Deion Sanders uh, on both sides. You can clone, <laughs> which I think the best man to man corner to ever play in the NFL. When they say shut down corner, there are no more shut down corners. When Dion retired, shut yeah. down went to the coffin with him when he retired. Now there are good cover corners. Yeah, there are good cover corners out there, uh, but I don't think there are no shut down corners. Shut down to me means I shut the door, ain't nothing getting me in it. That's that type of player Dion was. But uh, you know, Dante Jackson, Douglas, you know, these guys are up and coming good cover corners. They're learning the position. There's a reason why they're starters. So they go out there and prepare themselves. They should have a pretty good game. They, you know, the secondary, the Panther secondary seems to have a little bit more juice when Jackson and Douglas are out there at the same time. Um, many people don't remember, but the first third of the season, the Panthers pass defense was ranked in the top 10 of the league. That's when both of those guys were there and both of them were healthy. And I do agree with you with the uh, the whole Deion Sanders sentiment. Deion, man, Deion would take a whole half of a field away, <laughs> like from a quarterback. Like quarterback, I would watch quarterbacks not even bother to look over there uh, in some of these games, which is crazy. And you're right. I think when Deion retired, that kind of ended the whole man-to-man uh, I think other maybe Daryl Revis, I guess, uh, was still doing man-to-man coverage like that. Rex Ryan was kind of putting him out there like on an island, uh, Revis Island, I guess you could say. Rod Woodson would be another one I would throw out there. But, uh, yeah, Dion was, uh, you know, he was the mold, man. He he really kind of set that apart. All these guys that are out there today that are considered top cornerbacks, to me, they're all zone corners, like, uh, like a Richard Sherman back in the day or – uh, you know, those kind of guys, Patrick Peterson, those kind of guys, they're all running in zone defenses. They're not playing man to man like Dion would for a full, you know, game against the best wide receiver on the other side, like seeing him lock up against a Jerry Rice or Andre Risen or somebody back in the day. Uh, you don't really see that anymore. So I'm, we're not even sure how much Dante will actually be on Judy, but he probably should be uh, being our best cornerback and Judy probably being the wide receiver with the most ceiling. Uh, for the Broncos. For me, one of the keys of this game is to apply pressure to Broncos quarterback Drew Locke. Uh, I don't want to see this 3-3-5 base defense that Phil Snow has been running off and on. And I think Minnesota was the straw that broke the horse's pack. Um, he mentioned in the postgame 
that you know that last drive that they had that Minnesota had where Kirk Cousins drove him down the field in less than two minutes to score the go ahead touchdown. Uh, you know, most of it, it looks like a prevent defense from, from far away, but it's not a prevent. It's basically he's rushing three linemen. He has three guys on the line, on the line, and he's, he's dropped an extra person back into coverage. Uh, so it becomes like a three, three, five, but really all it does, if you're a good quarterback, it gives them a little bit extra time as extra second or two to plant their feet and just kind of carve up the defense with short throws. It seems like it's designed to avoid the big play, like over the top, but the, the quarterbacks we've seen in the past two months, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, you know, uh, Pat Mahomes, they've all been able to kind of just take what the defense gives them and go all the way down the field. And those quarterbacks can actually score in the red zone once they get there. And that seems like that's been the main uh, thing with these Panthers and this defense that hasn't been able to get off the field for most of the year. Uh, for me, Pressure Drew Locke. Uh, I'm actually hoping that defensive end Brian Burns continues his onslaught that he's been on the past couple of weeks. Uh, he needs to be a star on Sunday, I think, for the Panthers to have a shot to win this game because they're just missing so much. They're going to be missing your tour Gross Matos on the other side at defensive end. You're literally missing your defensive line. Gross Matos is out. Derek Brown is out. Zach Kerr is out. That's, your, that's three of your four guys that you start on the defensive line. Uh, beside Brian Burns. So, I mean, Burns can be the only guy that's going to be starting that's a normal starter on the defensive line, and it's going to be up to him to get some pressure back there uh, against a pretty solid Denver offensive line in terms of pass-blocking ability. So one of my keys is uh, Brian Burns. I need to hear his name two or three times on Sunday by the announcers for a, a play he's done, a sack, a strip, a fumble, just anything. Just be disruptive. Just get back there. Uh, but I'm hoping Brian Burns can have a – a huge game against uh, quarterback Drew Locke. What, what's one of your keys of this uh, this matchup 1 p.m. Sunday on uh, CBS, Tyrone, uh, Broncos versus Panthers? Well, I want people to understand this. Uh, the Broncos run a 3-4 defense. Uh, Vic Fangio, coming from Chicago, uh, played with uh, – he was my defense coordinator in Carolina. Actually, he was the uh, first original uh, defensive coordinator for the uh, Carolina Panthers. So all oh, those wow. – the Panther uh, fans, you remember Vic Fangio. So, you know, he's now the uh, head coach for the Denver Broncos. He runs a 3-4 defense. Uh, the uh, Panthers are 0-4 against 3-4 defenses. Now, if you count mm. the Buccaneers uh, twice, the Buccaneers run a 3-4 multiple front, but they try to do a 3-4 uh, defense. Uh, of course, we all know that the uh, Panthers lost against the Bears, who run that 3-4, and they lost against the Arizona Cardinals, who run a 3-4 multiple front defense. So the key is going to be, I believe, how Christian McCaffrey, if he's able to play full speed, uh, getting him into the mix, and also uh, that takes pressure off of Teddy Bridgewater because the 3-4 defense is built to actually take advantage of the quarterback to cause confusion and to confuse the offensive line. So uh, because you don't know where that fourth rusher is coming from. He's coming from one of the four linebackers, but you don't know which linebacker. But if you are able to get time and figure out where that blitz is coming from, that's a strong side and then that's a weak side. So this is where, again, if Christian McCaffrey is able to play or Mike Davis, they're able to take some of that pressure off of Teddy Bridgewater, then he would be able to read 
where the blitz is coming from and be able to throw the ball to the weak side of that three, four defense, which should give the Panthers uh, an advantage. But again, like I say, the Panthers are 0 and 4 against teams that run three, four defenses. Yeah, and it seems like the Panthers have always struggled against 3-4 defenses. Um, th- this would be the game if McCaffrey's able to suit up and play. Uh, they, they're going to need him on offense because they're missing so many weapons coming into this game. And McCaffrey, one of the things he's really good at is covering warts in terms of, you know, what what does your offense not do well? He's able to kind of cover that by being able to do it well. Uh, he was the leading receiver on this team last year with over 100 catches. That could come in handy this Sunday with both Moore and Samuel probably out, more definitely out. Samuel more than probably probably out. I, if they say that he's going to be playing on Sunday, it'll be a pleasant surprise because, again, he was only in close contact with someone with COVID. He doesn't actually – he hasn't tested positive himself. So there's still a slim chance we get Curtis Samuel out there, which would be a huge boost. And I think Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel out there – would be okay. That's enough. That's enough at the wide receiver position uh, in terms of our main guys to be able to run the majority of our offense. And if, if we get McCaffrey back in the backfield with uh, Mike Davis, okay, now we're cooking with some grease. Now we can go do some things. I, I will say for those games that they lost uh, against those three, four defenses, they got down early. Uh, that Bears game in particular, that Tampa game, that first one, uh, the Panthers offense committed turnovers early in the first quarter led to scores from the Bears and the uh, the uh, excuse me the uh, Buccaneers. And then from that point, the Panthers were playing catch-up the whole day, just trying to dig out of a hole that they had dug for themselves. Uh, my final key was they need to score first. They need to score first and score often in the first quarter. Uh, they need to score in the third quarter. The Panthers have had issues with scoring in the third quarter the entire season. Uh, come out of halftime with your adjustments, apply them, and actually, you know, do what it is you're trying to do, but score that opening drive. You get that ball in the third quarter. Make a statement uh, at home. We're at Bank of America Stadium this Sunday, and score first quarter, third quarter. You really want to score every quarter, but particular third, uh, first quarter and third quarter. Score on these Broncos. Get them behind. Make Drew Locke play hero ball because uh, when he's had to do that this year, the Broncos have lost games. He's not exactly the type of quarterback that you can kind of do a Russell Wilson and just kind of let him throw everybody on his back and lead him down the field. If he starts to press, he starts to make mistakes. So it all works in tandem. The offense has to score and er score early, put the Broncos on their heels a bit. The defense needs to be aggressive, uh, not be afraid to take chances. When they've played those types of games this year, they've won those games. When the defense has come out with reckless abandon, pin the ears back and just go and not be worried about the quarterback, uh, the Panthers have fared fairly well. And some of that might be respect to the quarterbacks they've played against. I mean, they've played a murderer's row of quarterbacks, let's be honest, the past two months with uh, MVP after MVP that they've had to go against. Uh, but they can't take Drew Locke for granted. So, you know, keep him uncomfortable, get him behind early, make him play hero ball. Uh, I want to hear Brian Burns' name a couple of times. And if they do all that and no turnovers, the Panthers can still win this game, which would be amazing considering the week they've gone through with all these key players on both sides of the ball out uh, because of COVID. Um, and hopefully all those guys get well and get back to the team soon. Well, I think for me, I think the Panthers defense, I just gave you know the uh, situation with the Panthers offense uh, as a whole with that 3-4 defense, uh, regardless of uh, the team – uh, committed turnovers and got behind. The point is they played against a 3-4 defense, and it's very, very – I played in 3-4 defense, so I know what the 
goal as that three, four defense is. Now, on the defensive side, my second thing is these guys on defense, the Panthers, just have to play steady football. Just play what the defense requires you to do because I don't see that the Broncos have that type of offense where you have to worry about what they're doing. Yes, they may have Melvin Gordon, and I think they also have uh, Philip Lindsay. But when you look at it as a whole, Melvin Gordon, talk about the running game for the Panthers defense, what they got to expect. The Melvin Gordon has only run the ball, attempted 149 uh, rushing attempts. Now, when you compare that and you, you look at his counterpart, uh, Philip Lindsay, he only has 96. So when you look at that compared to the entire NFL, Derrick Henry, we know in Tennessee, he's the workhorse. They He has 271 attempts. And then you got uh, Davon Cook, who we played, you know, Minnesota, the Panthers and the Vikings. He has 251. And then you got Melvin Gordon with 149 and Lindsey Phillips, uh, Philip Lindsey with 96. So that tells me that the Broncos really don't run the ball, run heavy team. So uh, then you got Drew Locke, you know, uh, just understand who he is. He's up and down. So if the Panthers defense can just play what the defensive scheme is and every man get in their gap, I don't think they're going to have problems with the Denver Broncos offense. So I give that advantage to the Denver, uh, to the Carolina Panthers defense. So if the offense can just uh, uh, just manipulate that three, four defense and, and give Teddy Bridgewater an opportunity to throw the ball and run the ball when they need to into those bubbles and the bubble of a three, four defense is where those inside linebackers stand off, hit that bubble, get on the outside, I, I think the Panthers walk away with a victory, um, a strong victory victory in this game against the Broncos. Well, there you have it right there. So Broncos, Panthers, Broncos coming across the country to take on the Panthers. 1 p.m. kickoff. It is Sunday. It is not on Fox. It's on CBS this weekend. So definitely make sure you tune in. Uh, the Panthers 4-8 and eight, trying to get to 5-8 and eight on the season. Um, like I mentioned before, lots of guys are going to be out due to uh, COVID protocols and some positives from earlier this week. But having said all that, myself and Tyrone do believe that the Panthers can pull out a home victory, much-needed home victory here uh, as we continue on in the Matt Rule era. We got to get out of here for this week. Definitely uh, check us out on social media. You can find Tyrone on Twitter at TyronePole38. You can find me on Twitter at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505. This podcast is weekly. Uh, you can find it on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, just look up Believe Podcast on Twitter or search Believe on Google, and it'll take you to the correct locations to be able to find this episode and any of our previous episodes from the course of this season uh, with different guests and topics and whatnot all related to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, for Tyrone Poole, this is Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Keep pounding. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.